This is Kelsey Leonard, and you're listening to Valiantly Spoken. Today I'm talking to Valerie Barry Barber Axthelm, class of 08, about Australian Football League, or footy, and her experience on the U.S. national team. So tell us a little bit about AFL. AFL is a contact sport. AFL is what they call it here, and it is often confused with rugby, but is not rugby. And you can easily anger Australians that play rugby by saying they're the same and Australians that play AFL by saying they're the same, which is why it gets confused with rugby a lot because we don't see a lot of tackling sports with no pads that aren't rugby in the States. Um, But I would say it's closer to soccer that you can use your hands and tackle people because the game is more free flowing, like a game of lacrosse or soccer or Frisbee where you have a defense, a midfield, and a forward line. And so um, you can move the ball in any direction as opposed to rugby where you throw it backwards trying to run it forwards. Um, My dad had a great comparison. He said uh, uh, rugby is like civil war. You stand up in your battle lines and you go at each other. And AFL is more like guerrilla warfare where people can tackle you anywhere on the play of the field and you're kind of behind enemy lines and running around at the ball. Um, For people that I've never seen it, I say it's similar to soccer. You have your positions, you're trying to pass the ball, you move it forward. How you move the ball is you kick it. It it is an oval ball, so there's some tricks to that. Um, But you kick it to your team and they catch it. And the advantage of that is if you kick it to your teammate and they catch it cleanly, um, you can't get tackled at that point on the field. If you play on or like run forward, you can then it's live play and you can get tackled, but it gives you the ability to control the ball moving forward and protecting your player. Um, You can also run the ball like most sports uh, every 10 to 15, depending on the umpire, I guess. meters you have to bounce the ball which is tricky because it is an oval ball it looks like a rugby ball or an nfl ball um with rounded edges though um you can also handball to your team so if you're running forward and you don't want to kick you can do what they call as a handball and it looks close to similar to and people will be angry about me saying this but the easy way to imagine it is punching the ball out of your hand so if you're holding it you punch it out of your hand And that's a handball, and you can do that for a teammate. Um, You can't throw the ball. So rugby players that come over and decide to play AFL end up throwing it a lot and get called on that. And it's played on a huge field, which is one of the um, interesting things about it. It's played on a field that can be 180 meters long, which is like two football fields. So um, it's just finding space to do that in the States when everything's built to be soccer or football that has um, grandstands around it or tracks around it becomes difficult. Are there any actual stadiums here for people to play? No. Well, there's one oval and that's in Florida (laughs) and I've played on it and it's pretty incredible. Um, But most of the time we grab fields that are like multiple soccer fields set up for like weekend tournaments for kids and then 
we have to find fields that don't have permanent fixtures between the soccer fields. Um, it's traditionally played on a cricket pitch. So if you know what a cricket pitch looks like, it's oval, which is also another strange thing that we don't really see in the States. Um, and so it's just like a big oval field that uh, they play in Australia in the winter and cricket plays in the summer. So they share the fields and um, yeah, so that's kind of that. And you score, which is another little strange thing uh, through four field goalposts, basically um, you can score at, I mean, they're just posts that go straight up and down and you just have to kick the ball between them. And if you kick the ball between the center one, it's worth six points. If you kick the ball between the side ones, it's worth one point. So um, pretty high scoring games. Uh, if, you, uh, if the other team touches it between you kicking it and it going through, it's only worth one point. So getting a good, clean, high kick is a great thing for scoring goals. Uh, soccer players tend to have a lot of fun when they don't have a crossbar that they have to stay below and kick it as far as they want. Uh, we recruit a lot of soccer players that are very successful goal kickers um, and really enjoy just kicking the ball without worrying about the height. Right. So kind of similar to football. As long as it's between, it doesn't matter how far high it goes. Right. And it goes all the way. There's no like crossbar. So all the way down to the ground. Um, we seen goals that are just somebody sticks a foot out and dribbles it off the ground like a soccer ball player. That's just like a sneaky little goal is what they'd call that. It's definitely an interesting sport. There is a lot of contact. So there is no helmets or pads, which actually a lot of studies are showing it makes it safer you can't hit somebody as hard and you're not going to spear with your head and uh you learn better tackling form and stuff so it becomes yeah every contact sport and even soccer at this point is having discussions about concussions and so that is not something that afl is immune to um and then not something that they aren't aware of and trying to figure out how to make it safer without losing some of the intensity of the game. The thing that they do here is uh, kids can't head the ball in soccer because there's been a lot of concussions. Their neck muscles aren't developed yet, and so they their head whips back when they head the ball, and it causes concussions just from the whipping motion and the brain hitting the side of the, I guess. I remember my brother did one of it. He must have done his junior paper at Valley on concussions. When he did his paper, uh, he said the youth sport with the most concussions was like percentage wise, not numbers wise, was women, like girls soccer. And that's because their neck muscles take longer to develop than the men. And so that they had a lot of the ball was being kicked hard, like women are good with the leg strength stereotypically, right? And uh, so they're kicking the ball hard enough, and then they head the ball, and they can't keep their neck supporting their head enough to prevent a concussion. Wow. So how and when did you get into AFL? So growing up, I played a lot of sports. So I played competitive softball, at, actually, at Valley, and I played soccer, and in college, 
I was playing like recreational soccer. It's a little bit easier than playing rec softball. Um, and then I graduated from college and moved to Arizona and was long distance from my fiance and didn't know anybody. Um, I made a lot of really great friends at my new job and that was fun, but it was kind of, I was hanging out with the same people at work and outside of work. And I didn't really have a community around me the same way I did when I was in high school or college. Um, the, the community was like big at expanding my social circle and that was really important to me. And so I was looking for other sports to play and actually one of my guy friends signed up for a flag football league that I couldn't play in because it was men only. And I was a little like miffed because we do a lot of sports together. And I was like, wait a second, on Wednesdays we can't hang out? What's going on here? And so I started like looking up flag football leagues and I looked up Gaelic football. My family's Irish. We'd been to Ireland. We'd watched a lot of Gaelic football. Uh, and there wasn't a Gaelic football team, but there was an AFL team advertising to Gaelic football players because a lot of the skills transfer really well. And the communities in the U S are very much the same. They're grassroots communities. Uh, so it's really easy to get someone to play both sports. And so I just saw the advertisement was like, Hey, I could learn to tackle someone. This will be fun. I've never seen this sport. I'm going to show up to practice and meet friends and, it was like advertised as like a community fitness and fun and like meet other women that are awesome. And I was like, that sounds awesome. It showed up and um, my first practice was rough. It was interesting. They did a scrimmage on my first practice. So I hit the ground a few times and uh, yeah, they taught me how to tackle and they laid me out a few times and I was like, Oh, I like this. I could do this. Like, this is really fun. I have a lot of extra energy I can burn. Uh, and so I kept showing up to practices and the community was really great. Uh, it's definitely different learning something brand new as an adult than as a kid. So it's, you have to put that pride on a shelf and be like, this is something I don't know anything about. It's okay to not be great. And when you're competitive, that's a little difficult. Uh, and I wanted to be good. So I'd practice on my own. I'd borrow a team ball and I'd be like, okay, like they say, I have a decent kick. I'm going to get an excellent kick. And I like just worked on it. And I just, I wanted to be better than I was. And the community was great. Everybody was supportive. It didn't matter what skill level you were at. They were happy. You wanted to learn about their sport and they were going to welcome you with open arms, no matter your fitness level, no matter your skill level. Um, and it's just really that attitude that kept me playing. Um, I met a lot of new friends really quickly. I, they actually had my first year, they had tryouts for the U S national team and I made the B team for a tournament and yeah, I was, I was lucky. I mean, there's not always a ton of people that try out. So you, you got to play the numbers game and it works out and I'm competitive and like to hit hard and, played soccer. So there was a lot of natural instinct on defense that was easy to channel. And, um, it was like an offshoot tournament. So they do what they call the parallel cup with Canada. And so they were, the coach was like, yeah, come to Florida, come play with us for this tournament. And I mean, it's one game and then the men's team plays a game and your A team plays a game and the men's A team plays a game. 
Um, and so I went and played, might have been my first full game of 18 players on each team on the field on a full size like regulation field. Um, and it was just really fun. Like we played hard Friday. We watched the men play Saturday and it was just a really cool community. And so it was really easy for me to stick with. So you started your own team in Seattle, right? So I moved to Seattle about a year after I'd started playing and had to start a women's team from scratch there. So I showed up and there was a men's team and they had been around a long time, but their numbers were dwindling and they were trying to figure out how to change recruiting tactics. I just showed up on the scene and was like, hey, I want to make a women's team. And so put a lot of effort into that my first two years in Seattle and uh, learned a lot about how to connect with other women, how to recruit other women, how to advertise the sport, how to convince people that playing a contact sport is okay, how to teach people how to tackle safely, just a lot of different skills. Um, I learned, I got to do a lot of coaching, which was really cool, just like teaching new players things, which I really enjoy. Um, so. So how does the season work for AFL? Yeah, so in the States, um, season is different for team to team. We do, we have a comp, so for Seattle, it was a combination of what we call metros, which are inner squad games, which could be only the women's team or a mix of the men's and women's team. So we did co-ed metros. Um, those give you good game experience where we can pause the game and review different tactics and try to work on things. Uh, they can also get really competitive. <laughs> uh, pretty notorious for Seattle Metros to have one minor injury at the end of each Metro. Um, the guys want to outcatch each other. Girls want to out-tackle each other. You know, there's always a little bit of competition when you don't get to do, play as often as you want. Um, and then we have games that we set up with other teams. So that would be Portland we play because Seattle is only three three and a half hours from Portland uh, so we play down with them and they'll come up uh, sometimes about we usually hit them about three times a year it really depends on the year what the numbers are expected what fields we can get etc uh, and then we actually relied a lot on Vancouver British Columbia so the Vancouver Vixens when I started first started playing I would go up and play with them because they when they had more numbers to start with. And so I would go play in their inner squads and I would bring girls up to get game experience and play with their team because they were super welcoming. Our men played in what, what they call the BCAFL. So there were, there were five men's teams up there. And so every time the men went up, I would go up with them, easy carpool partners, and then they would stick around and we would play after them. And whatever numbers we could get, we would play. Sometimes we'd play nine aside. Sometimes we'd play 12 aside, sometimes 15. It really just depended on who they could get there, how many we could bring up. Uh, and most of the time we were just split up within their team until we started to get numbers. And then we started making them like games between us and them. A lot of times regionals is the first time new players get a full game. Um, they're, they're shorter games, but 
they get a full game experience of wearing uniforms. We have to check in. We have to follow all the rules. There's no modified rules type of thing. Uh, so we do that. And then nationals in October is our big thing. Um, all of the teams in the U.S. fly to wherever it is. We have usually five men's divisions and two women's divisions. Um, and the women's divisions tend to be Div 1, can you field a full team? And Div 2 are the combined teams. Just to make it a little more fair, if you make a combined team and bring it in, a lot of times you'll get slaughtered by a team that's played together all season. Um, so that tends to be everybody's working towards nationals. Everybody's like that you want to be at your peak fitness in October. That's the goal. Um, so the long term is nationals for us. So what does the nationals team look like? So international cup t- traditionally happens every three years. Um, it was supposed to happen this summer. World events has pushed it off to 2021, which is probably good. Uh, it's called international cup. There's a men's tournament and a women's women's tournament and they happen at the same time. Uh, so unlike world cup where they're separate years, this happens at the same time. It's always hosted by Australia. The AFL does it as part of their international and diversity um, section. Um, but Australia never puts a team in. There's a huge unfair advantage for being the only place where it's played professionally. And so it, they just host it as a way to grow the sport and grow interest in the sport. Uh, and so I don't remember how many men's teams there are. Mostly I just – I like I watch the men's games, but um, I've been way more involved in the women's community. There tends to be like five to eight women's teams is my understanding. Um, so Canada always sends a team. Ireland always sends a team. U.S. sends a team. Great Britain sends a team. I think Pakistan sent a team last year. So just um, anybody that wants, I don't know how behind the scenes work, anybody that wants to send a team has to contact AFL and register through them. But um, my understanding is it's been pretty open. They've supported most teams that have wanted to come play and have a country team. So the U.S. has two teams, and they always send one at least. Um, their teams are called Freedom and Liberty. Everybody has a nickname for their A and B team. We're Freedom and Liberty. Um, Freedom is their A team, and they go to the International Cup. And Liberty, they've done a few different things. When they were first starting the Women's International Cup, they sent Liberty in to play in the International Cup in the second division, um, my understanding was. And then by the time I had joined – Liberty wasn't playing in the International Cup. So um, in 2015, I played in the, like, the local tournament, and then 2017 was the last International Cup, and I made the B team again. Um, I had some injuries and just wasn't in shape enough to hit the A team and just needed more experience. So I spent the next two years working on fitness and working on skills Um, fitness is the big one for me. Uh, I, a little bit shorter, sometimes a little bit stockier. So I work really, really hard on using my lower center of gravity and running, running when I can. Um, and so we do tryouts. 
Um, and how the tryouts work varies year to year, but there's generally a couple camps where we fly in the U S and do it like a camp tryout and like 60 to 80 women show up and, uh, we do like time trials, like you would expect for like soccer teams, like mile times, but they're 2k times because everything's in kilometers. Um, and then we do things like, um, I don't know if you still have nightmares about this, but beep testing. And we do like skills testing and we do scrimmages and we do all sorts of things. They all always use the women's camps to help train skills that we aren't necessarily getting at our home clubs because a lot of home clubs don't have formal coaches. So they teach things like tackling skills and how to get tackled. Like what do you do when you're getting tackled? Um, they teach kind of the strategy that we want to play as the U S team. So different strategies uh, and then we kind of have a unified strategy that we try to train so that when you go home and train with your home club, you're training the same strategies that we're playing on the national team. Um, so the camps, we do one or two a year, depending on what year it is and what, what other things we have going on. And then they try to do little mini camps after regionals. So when you're already there for regionals, you'll play with the women the next day and do like a training camp um to just get more touches with women that aren't on your team but might be on the national team with you uh and then um we also get experience i'm trying to remember we do we did like another camp where we did extra games um once it had been narrowed down to the core group of women that'll be on the freedom and liberty and like everybody kind of had an idea of who the freedom players were going to be and who the liberty players were be like the teams had been named um but the, of course there's injuries and there's like people's life gets in the way or like somebody spent a lot of effort and is now suddenly a better player and we're gonna move them up so there's always competition at those camps because your spot on the team can change so if anyone's curious about learning more about AFL, where would you direct them? For learning about the rules and stuff, YouTube is great. Like just Google AFL, how to play. Um, AFL is very aware of the fact that other people don't know what they are. And so there's a lot of content provided of like, hey, this is footy for anybody that doesn't live in Australia. Um, if they're interested in learning more about it with people that know about it, a lot of big cities have teams. If you look at your city, like Portland is a good example, Seattle, San Francisco, Sacramento, LA, Denver, they all have teams. Um, I just listed West Coast, like of course, East Coast has a lot of teams to do. Uh, just look up your city and then AFL or look up usafl.com and you can find a team near you. If there's not a team, so there's tends to be more men's teams than women's teams. But if there's not a women's team, the men are all super welcoming. They'll let you show up. They'll teach you how to play. They'll combine you with other teams if you want to learn how to play. If you don't want to learn how to play and you just want a social community, we have people that don't play that just hang out with us. We have people that provide a lot to our community that are interested in playing but are interested in the sport. And um, we have watch parties. So, like, that's a big thing. We celebrate the Australian holidays, so that's always fun. We do a lot of 
social events outside of footy because it's not all about the sport. I mean, it's about the community. Um, so if you're interested in something like that, USAFL or most of them have Facebooks, most of them have Instagrams, they all have websites. If you just Google your hometown and then AFL or Australian Rules Footy. Thanks so much for joining us, Val. Thanks to everyone who's listening. As always, Valiantly Spoken is sponsored by your Alumni Advisory Committee. See you next time.